guys, just before we get started with the, uh, the Lay Radio podcast, just a, a quick couple of things. Uh, the first one is, thank you all for turning up. You're all looking bright-eyed, bushy hungover as I felt this morning. It's always nice. Uh, I hope you've had a great time. Um, this is probably going to be the, uh, the largest panel uh, that Leicester run, unless you guys have got lots of raffle tickets. I'm, obviously, raffle's going to be a bigger draw. <laughs> oh, hold, hold on. Okay. So whoever it is that's parked their T9 on the front lawn, if you wouldn't mind just going to uh, remove that, please. <laughs> and also, if you wouldn't mind clearing up all the dead bunnies that you're leaving behind. Yes, raffle tickets. Uh, I must admit I haven't bought any yet. I do plan to spend some money on raffle tickets before the end of the day. Uh, but yes, if you haven't bought raffle tickets, guys, make sure you do. Uh, and just finally, before we kick off the show, I just wanted to mention, seeing as there's a few people in the room, uh, obviously you've all heard the show, you've all listened to the show, you know how well organized and how much of a smooth running machine our show is. <laughs> so you're probably thinking, how is it that we get you know, that group of people who run such an efficient ship and lay radio to put on such a well-organized, fun, massive convention like LaveCon 2016? Uh, the honest answer is we don't, really. Uh, we have many helpers behind the scenes, uh, one of which I'm sure you'll all come across in your travels, and that's the wonderful Karen. Um, Karen works tirelessly to make sure this thing runs as smoothly as it does with very little input from the rest of us unless she shouts at us and demands that we do things, which of course we then do. Um, but Usually in a timely uh, fashion. In a very timely fashion, pretty much seconds after she demands it. So um, just wanted to have a, a massive sort of thank you to Karen and a big round of applause for all the work that she's done on LaveCon 2016. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> And yes, the gentleman has just walked in. Those applause were for you. <laughs> Karen's actually, at the moment, again, never stopping working. She's actually sitting in on the uh, What Would You Guys Like from LaveCon 2017 panel. So she will come in at some point during the show. But I just wanted to give her a shout-out while there's lots of people in the room. So, And can we, you know, when she does pop in during the show, you can kind of... I'll do that all over Regurgitate again. Regurgitate that, that applause. No, no, we'll just, we'll call that a nice secret plan between us cosy few people, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah nice, so nice big applause and cheer would be great. When she walks in, a nice round of applause. It doesn't matter, we can edit it out on the... Uh, <laughs> and edit it back in with a bit of an explanation, that's all. Yeah. It's all that continuity. Yeah, It'll be, be fine, fine. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, I think we're ready on the uh, video. No. <laughs> that'll be that'll be the music intro, Foz, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Space can be over. Switching 
Commanders, and welcome to episode 116 of Lay Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, second technician, Fuzzle Forrester, and joining me at LaveCon in this specially modified Orange Sidewinder, we have the ever so effervescent Mr. Grant Psycho Cow Walcott. Hello, hello, hello. The station's chief of entertainment, Mr. Christopher Jarvis. Hello, thank you very much. The station's chief archivist and miniatures extraordinaire, Mr. Phoenix Defire, Colin DeFord. Hello, everyone. And of course, our station's chief of operations, Mr. John Stabler. Hello. Getting quite tired doing this. Normally, you're not all on the same show. It's normally about four people, I have to remember. Uh, we have the wonderful Mr. Ben Moss Woodward, Head of Health and Safety. Hang on, there's a Pokemon over there. I've got to go, got to go get it. <laughs> and of course, the station commander himself, the wonderful Mr. Alan Stroud. <laughs> and most importantly, for this episode, we are joined by the Hi, Foz. <laughs> Sorry, did you not say anything? No. Your cue, it was your cue. I know, it's fine. It's okay. the first time you've ever called me wonderful, Foz. Ah, so you're in such a state of shock that I you... Am. Okay. Yeah. I do think you're wonderful. It's really nice, Foz. Would you like me to go to your room? I quietly Not think it to myself. But, but for, two, for, for about two years, <laughs> we have had this, this ongoing joke of you giving a superlative intro and me really, really saying... Thanks, Foz. In a, in a dull and dour sense. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying my best here to, to say... So this is you at your normal sort of bubbly self? Thanks, Foz. Excellent. Okay, well, I'm glad we cleared it up, because these guys didn't realise that was a joke. They just thought that was you. <laughs> I can live with that. That's his commitment to the material. Okay. Crashing on. Uh, and most importantly for this episode, we are joined by the LaveCon 2016 crew. And <laughs> ah, what a wonderful, good-looking bunch of people you guys are. Um, I was going to say you can join us live, but unless you bought tickets, you probably can't, can you? Okay, so we are live. We're live on Twitch, so for the, hello for those people that are... Watching the Twitch stream, yes, this is going to be an unmitigated disaster, just like every Tuesday. Um, okay, so we're not nor we're normally hanging outside uh, outside in Lave uh, in the Lave system, somewhere between the Lave planet and uh, and the the uh, the civilian broadcast. Which now they've all gone, it would have been a great opportunity to actually thank Steve Kirby, who's been down here for the last two days, because that was the guy who actually programmed in our very own Orange Sidewinder into the game and put all those wonderful little bits of text speech, then also made it hard as nails. We did, we did thank him yesterday. Yeah, not that this is going to work in the podcast, but we're just going to do a quick sort of audience participation piece. How many people in the room have actually blown up our Orange Sidewinder? Oh, nobody. Oh, I'm loving this respect. Let me try it. It's, it's only Ben. <laughs> only Ben. It's either because everyone else can't fly. Well, this is, this is the question. So, show of hands, how many people have tried to blow up? Oh, here we go. <laughs> tried to blow up the Orange Sidewinder. Ben was flying the Orange Sidewinder. I've seen Ben fly. That's not up. true. 
Um, yes, I've tried to blow it up as well. I got my ass handed to me. It is a, it's an elite-ranked ship. And with the new AI, and in fairness, during LaveCon 2016, there has been a little bit of talk about the new AI, it just in a few select circles around the bar and in the toilets and at the game room and in the LAN room and in this room and outside in the bandstand whilst you're not collecting Pokemons. It's been, AI seems to have been a hot topic at this particular LaveCon. Um, anyway, so what have we got for you? We're going to do a quick roundup. We're going to have a, a reminisce. It's not really a reminisce, is it, considering it was only yesterday. But we're going to talk about the, the LaveCon panel with Frontier. And for that, we're actually going to have an open mic. So we're going to talk about the bits that we remember. However, we had been drinking up to that point, And so we had a quick conflab around the panel. And we don't really remember that much. Now, I'm assuming that's not... Oh, hold on. Who's just walked in? Karen, don't go away. Ah, uh, so good. You'd think we'd planned that. <laughs> Nothing, it's just us showing our spontaneous appreciation for all the hard work and effort you put into organizing LaveCon 2016 and how much we love and appreciate you. Okay, so we're going to have a quick uh, go back through what Frontier Developments actually told us on their panel, some of the stuff that... Uh, was new information, so that's not going to take us very long. Um, and we, what we'd like to do, because we think we might have missed some stuff from that panel. So we've got a pretty packed show, though, because, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to leave everything until Gamescom, right? Yeah, so there was an element of that, the fact that I think the timetables might have, uh, might have sort of collided with this particular LaveCon and Gamescom. So there's a few things that were were not said uh, during the panel because they were trying to save it for, for Gamescom. I think that's probably fair, don't you? Yeah. This is the main event. I mean, this is the main Elite Dangerous social gathering event for the, for the year. So, I mean, I'd be surprised if there's anything happening at Gamescom that they're not going to tell us here. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so what we're going to do, we're going to quickly go over the stuff that we remember, and we're going to get our thoughts and reactions on that. But also, there was a lot of questions asked. We're bound to miss some stuff, based on the fact we've only managed to write down three lines between all of us. And there's, so some, there's some reflections on the, the different activities we've, we've done. You know, there's a few things we can talk to people about. I think we could. I mean, we could do that, or you could just jump like four, four slides down the... All right, sorry. It's all in hand. It's all good. I read the show notes. <laughs> Spot the guy who doesn't read the show notes. Turns up last minute. Axel, yeah, super cool. Okay, so we're going to do that. Uh, if you want to join in on that bit and get recorded on the <laughs> recorded on the show, uh, just come to the microphone. That microphone is live. What we'll do is we'll cue you in. So basically, your thoughts on what Frontier had to say, anything that they didn't say that you thought, well, maybe hope that they would say, and you know your highlights from the Frontier panel. Okay. So aside from that, we're also going to have a look at. <laughs> <laughs> Potato. <laughs> Not potato. <laughs> okay. Um, and then on from there, we're also going to have a 
quick sort of overview of what's been going on at LaveCon 2016 for those people that haven't managed to make it this year. A quick discussion about what's happened in the Artemis room, games room, land room, and uh, what's happened with some of the, the quizzes and other activities that's been going on over the weekend. And then we've got a few special things for this particular podcast. We have the Lave Revolution trailer. Ooh. Yes, indeed. And also, for those people that backed and followed it, Dave Lowe's remixed orchestral version of the Frontier theme. We have actually got a copy of that to play to those people in the room. Those people on Twitch, <laughs> we're going to have to mute you at that point, I'm afraid, because Dave doesn't want that to go out for the larger audience. So it's very, very, very nearly uh, done. It's about 95% done. Uh, but the people that are listening on Twitch and watching on Twitch, uh, you will get that uh, when, it's, uh, when it's done. But for those people here at LaveCon, you're going to listen to the almost final version of that. Okay, so without any further ado, let's crash on and go straight into the dev news. Uh, the first and foremost, I think, is the exciting news that those people that are actually at LaveCon are going to get the new LaveCon skins for the Anaconda and the... Eagle. Eagle. Ooh. By far and away, the best skin in the game. Not that I'm biased. <laughs> um, and also, we've obviously got the, the LaveCon decals as well that go very nicely with that. So you can have your own decal for LaveCon, and you're also going to have your own uh, Phoenix, Burning Phoenix skin, which looks fantastic. Although, on the Anaconda, that's going to be pretty impressive, considering the size of the Anaconda. That's one big Phoenix. That is one big Phoenix. And also, the Anaconda, unlike all the other ships in the game, that has its own sort of areas of damage as well. So you have a chance to mess up that paint job in some really interesting <laughs> ways. In fact, I think that might be my plan, to go and take on the Orange Sidewinder in my Anaconda and see whether or not I can't, uh, well, win, first of all, but as that probably won't happen, at least have a look at what sort of damage we can do to that particular skin on that particular ship. So we've got that, and then we had two interesting pieces of news that came out that we've kind of been following on the... On the um, on the newsletters and stuff, and it's the, the idea about Jack Station being found. So Jack Station is now 22,000 light years from Sol, which sounds like a long way to me. Yep. And the Frontier basically said that they're going to start building a second hum, hu, humanized, that's not a word, is it? A second humanized bubble? That'll do. That'll do? Okay. So yeah, basically a second sort of colony of humanity that's stretching out from the, the, the Jack Station. Um, are we excited by this? Okay, so they're excited about this. I was looking at you guys. It's a trap. <laughs> Winter is coming. Foz, uh, uh, by the time we got into beta, I'd st still only seen five stations. <laughs> and I've not got much further away from the core. Where is Jax just now? Anyone know? Oh, gone. Back of the room. <laughs> it's over there. Okay. I think that translates to the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Second star on the right and straight on till morning. Someone well, just shouted, which I quite like the idea of that. So it excites me. Um, it excites me because we're you're going to see a raft of different community goals. I would hope the kind of community goals that are about construction related to um, different colonies and settlements. And also it gives them a bit of a test bed to start sort of attempting to show us the way in which 
humanity does colonize planets. Now, um, I drive in, some of you know, front row, I drive into High Wycombe every so often. And during the summer, I drive into High Wycombe a little bit less. And um, they build, you know, they're building buildings and everything else. And when you drive in, uh, you know, once a week or once every fortnight, you know, those buildings go up quite quickly and it's quite amazing. And you kind of go, oh, oh, that's all changed. Uh, to kind of see that in a computer game and to see that those colonies change and to see the facilities kind of gradually become more detailed and more interesting as you journey off to go and get some resources for them and then come back maybe a, a few days later, a few hours later. I think it'd be really cool. I yeah. think you might be giving Frontier too much credit yeah, here. Yeah, this is what I'm thinking <laughs> as well. I, uh, I love the idea, but I suspect we're going to see a fully phoned station just materialize. Oh. Yeah, you see. I, I would love it. It would be awesome. Oh. That's exactly, uh, exactly the thought that was going through my head, Ben. So for those people that remember all the way back to the DDF, we had oh, some spectacular concept arts around how new stations were going to be built and how we were going to see sort of uh, semi-built stations and we were just going to be girders out there in space. And as you brought more material, to that particular system, it would start to grow. And actually what we're ending up with at the moment is instant pop stations. So uh, is community goals that distance? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Sounds like a job for the truck. The idea of the size of a fuel scoop you're going to need in a T9 to take that stuff out there. You, 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 you people just need more training, obviously. <laughs> I mean, truckers, we're a little bit mental, but even that makes us think... No. <laughs> okay, but this is how yeah, Frontier are planning to bring all these community groups together, okay? Because on that particular community group, you're going to need, obviously, the first explorers there to, to guide the truckers who are coming after. And then, of course, you're going to have to bring in the fuel rats who are somehow going to have to try and fuel that entire convoy over the course of three months or however long it's going to take you get to actually get your trucks out there. So I think it's a, it's a very clever way that Frontier are doing it. Though I think the problem is it reveals the true nature of a trucker, which is everyone thinks that the Hutton truckers have massive endurance because they do this long flight to Hutton. But what people don't appreciate is the flight to Hutton is a chance to catch up on some TV. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, like, proper exploration, you have to, like, jump every few seconds and you have to actually press the keyboard and look at the screen. That's, that's no fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> so you reckon that's going to be one contract the, huckers the Hutton truckers turned down? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Not so sure on that one. <laughs> I reckon if we can convince the fuel rats to set up stations throughout, uh, there would definitely be people in the hunt truckers who will convoy up. We'll get the Xboxers in. Are they in next now? Nope. <laughs> right! But it is, it's one of those things, it does sound like a tenor challenge that the truckers would go for. Uh, I just don't know how much fun after two months and you're still not there, jumping, you know, five or six light years in your T9 convoy. Okay, so my, my particular game style revolves around going from Lave to Sol, from Sol to uh, Shinra to Desra. So I haven't really gone that far. I've literally gone sort of down the, down the road and back again. How long does it take to go 22,000 light years from Sol? <laughs> Six and a half hours. Really? About, about three runs through of Chris Christopherson's convoy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the core, and how long's that then? So the core can be done in five and a half hours, and how, what sort of distance is that from Sol? 26,000 light years. Oh, so it's only. Oh, it's, come on, that's not even an entire season of Game of Thrones. 
<laughs> we, we tried uh, a number of convoys with maybe, I don't know, 26 um, jumps, and it took us hours. <laughs> and it wasn't very far. And so basically, it just all that happened there was obviously people fell asleep at the wheel and just crashed into suns, and you only got two people left of the truckers arriving. Trying to coordinate it and get people going at the same time. You don't wait for the last person to jump in. There's always Flossie, you've got to wait to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> Flossie, who is in the audience, Grant, before you say anything else. You've got Simuf as well, who goes the wrong way. <laughs> always that one contact, the other side of the star when you arrive. You see that beautiful line of ships heading out ready for the next jump, and one going that way, and you're like, Simon, our way, just come on, catch up. So I can only really imagine if you multiply that by a factor of a thousand, it's just going to be chaos. So the Hutton truckers are the people that we point to in Elite Dangerous and say, this is how we do logistical brilliance, basically. Yeah. And all the EVE Online players look at us and laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're too busy flying spaceships, not spreadsheets. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to move on from there. It is kind of the wacky racers. Like the truckers are the kind of wacky racers of the elite dangerous world. Does that make you Penelope Pitstop? Then? <laughs> You've seen me docking. <laughs> okay, well, how about we, we, we leave Jack's station there and we move on to the other side of uh, exploration, and that's tourism. So... Michael Brooks touch, touched on, uh, on tourism and said that obviously they've got quite a few spots uh, locked down for galactic tourism, but they're still taking some more suggestions on the, uh, on the forums if people are brave enough to go in there. Um, but well, that was it. There wasn't a lot of explanation around that, really, um, in terms of why we should get excited about going from point A to point B and, and getting a... He did say that there was going to be a beacon at all these wonderful tourist spots. So, I mean, basically, they've, they've looked at Pokemon Go and they've decided this is the way forward for Elite Dangerous. Uh, and we need to go to all these tourist spots and, and catch them all, basically, by scanning the beacons. Who, I'm who, not really who, any who more excited you, about that than I am about Pokemon Go. Who woke you up this morning? <laughs> they wake you up on the wrong side of bed, did they? I'm did they? Yeah. Not had your coffee yet. Okay. Oh. So... We've got a wonderful guy from the audience, so why don't you explain who you are and tell me why it is that I need to get excited about Space Tourum over and above the passenger missions I'm already doing from Rubigo. <laughs> Rubigo, yeah. It's not exactly tourism, is it? Uh, it's Ian Phillips. Um, well, one thing I do remember from what Michael was saying was that each of these destinations is going to have um, hist their historical sites. And there is information and background story that you can unlock by taking missions out to each tourist location. So you're going to unlock for yourself the whole background, what's been going on, what's been leading up to certain events. So you can go to war sites, you can go to places where ships have crashed. First time uh, Grant tried to dock. <laughs> <laughs> First time he succeeded. <laughs> First time he took off. <laughs> you know, and so there'll be not only, yeah, you've got a mission, you go from A to B, you get some people, whatever, however that is going to look. Okay, so, okay, but that's the, fine. But there's going to be information, there's going to be other things that you get. Part of the reward is going to be 
really, uh, yeah, unlocking stuff. And we don't know what that is yet, but it is to do with building a background story. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I had forgotten that bit. So these destinations, they are going to unlock certain more information. So the other thing that they did say, which probably ties into this quite nicely, is that the Tianisla graveyard eventually will come into the game. So this could be a potential tourist spot where you'd go, you'd fly to the graveyard, you'd scan the beacon, and then you'd find out a little bit more about the, the history behind that Tianisla graveyard and, and what, what, you know, why it came to be. Um, if I could just go back to my normal grumpy self and say, that is going to be probably be presented in a great big wall of text, just like the Galnets, which is going to be fascinating to, to read all the way through. Do you think it's possible that Frontier might want to present that in a different way? And if, if so, what way would you suggest they did it? Well, if they've got standard texts for oh, nowadays, even uh, with tourists, you can get a, a little guide which plays, plays off in your ears. So you, they could do. Uh, ver verbal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm here with you, Ian. I'm thinking that we need a, a voiceover guy. Yeah. The, voiceover guy. Yeah, well, you want me to volunteer? No, no. Well, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking a voiceover guy for, for the tourist board, effectively. Mm. And you know, and I mean, that would be really, really cool. Could they not could kind come of up with something in the ship that pops up? You know, like a Microsoft assistant, and it just comes up here. Here is an interesting point of interest. Yeah. Would you, you like get to a new icon? You get a headphone icon. Hey. When hey, you get close to a tourist destination, you have to press on that, and then you get the audio in your ship. That's, 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 not, that's not really Microsoft Paperclip. You're more thinking Starship Troopers, dude. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to know more? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm down. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, to be honest, the idea of an audio presentation with a couple of cut shots, um, you know, we, we know that there are other games that deal with these kind of take your hands off the steering wheel and we'll just play a cinematic sequence to you because you're not really doing anything. Um, they like those particular incorporations and we know that you know Elite is much more hands-on. But actually, this might be a moment where you play that or play it in a splash screen so you've got a bit of text because Foz loves his wall of text. I love my wall of text. So you've got a bit of text, but you then play that kind of video in a splash in the middle of it. And it would look quite like a, a tourist catalogue, wouldn't it? You know, an interactive tourist catalogue. Um, which I think would be cool. Yeah, someone's just uh, shouted out from the audience something that's similar to the Hitchhiker's Guide. I think that would work very, very well for this particular thing. I don't, I don't like it. You don't like it? <laughs> I'm quite a big one for, for kind of cinematic storytelling games, but I actually quite like the fact that in Elite, you don't ever lose your... Is it still working? Hello? Hello, there we go. Uh, I quite like the fact that you, in Elite, you don't ever really lose your, um, your kind of cockpit view. Um, and there are certain games, you know, if we're talking about the tourist stuff, if you look at something like Endless Ocean, where you have to take clients on a dive to show them certain fish or certain reefs, um, and that does a kind of thing where when you discover a new area, it grabs the camera off you and it shows you, like, panning shots of the reef and it comes up with this opera woman singing and it tells you the name of the reef. And actually, as a gamer, I find that if I'm in the middle of doing something and suddenly the camera goes away, I'm a bit like, oh, no, just stop. Just give me the camera back. You know, if you want to bring up a little heading that says you are now entering the, you know, the Great Barrier Reef or whatever, that, that's absolutely fine. But I think actually for a game like Elite, going to a cutscene is going to really... Everyone get ready to drink. It's going to really spoil my immersion. I think you're... <laughs> I think you're maybe overstating it slightly because I was thinking of it as a tab panel. As a what? As a tab panel. So on your left or your right side. Oh, yeah, if you could do it on a screen yeah. in the ship. You just do it in a tab yeah. panel. Yeah, 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 that'd be great. 
Um, but I also think rather than, I don't like the idea of going to a beacon and just scanning it to prove you've been there. It's a bit like these kids' mazes where you go and get their hand stamped at each of the stations to kind of show that you've been everywhere. I sort of feel like if it's a proper tourist mission, the tourists are going to want to do something while they're at that location. So as a kind of cheap tourist pilot, you're just going to rock up there, scan the beacon and leave. And that's not really the tourist uh, experience. You almost want something in the game where you've got in your little comms panel the tourist is, you, when you arrive at the destination they want to see, your passenger says, great, we're here, do you mind if I take a few photos? Well, what, and then what, you have to do like a slow oh. fly past at the start while no. the person takes photos. No, well, the if, if they're going to do audio presentations of the history and, and or whatever, they can also have a little button you click saying, please look to the right. Yeah, this is becoming more like a tourism tycoon, which I'm not really down for. I'm not really wanting to fly through a set of rings when I get to a destination so that they have all the right views out of the right side of the ship or anything that takes more yeah. than just a couple of seconds to say that I've been there, done that, and I'm now moving on to the next mission. That's because you'd crash into the rings, Fozzer. I would crash into the rings. That's not the point. It's, it's, not, not, it's sure. not about that, though. With the diving game, like your client says to you, and I don't know how they say this to you because you're both underwater wearing breathing regulators, but that's by the way. Um, you're, you're, when, you, when you find this fish that this person wants to see, they're like, oh, great, that's a lovely fish. Can you take a picture of me with the fish? And then you have to kind of, this person sits there in the water and you have to kind of angle yourself around and take a photo of them. And it introduces, what I'm saying is, it introduces a level of gameplay rather than just hitting... Because if all we're talking about is hitting beacons A, B and C, we might as well just play Wing Commander and do a I don't want to play Animal Crossing Elite Dangerous. But you don't have to do... <laughs> Fozzer, this is my point, right? For, yeah. for three years, you have been complaining that there aren't passenger and tourist missions in Elite. It's now been announced and you're doing nothing but moaning about it. Yeah. I am talking... <laughs> if, if you... If you want to take people on tourist trips, you have to give them a qualitative tourist uh, uh, Yeah, treatment. it's a different play style, isn't it? We're talking about uh, <laughs> the engagement of a very slightly... And it's not, it's not hugely different, but if you're an orca pilot... Who in here has got an orca? Hey. Right, OK, so How much four. are you looking forward to getting tourism trips? Yeah? Yeah, seriously looking forward to it. This is the point. I mean, I, I think... You know, it is a different play style to try and you know manage this, and we don't quite know how that's going to pan out. We'll see. You know. Do you think you'll get sort of like you know your passenger reviews, uh, some kind of TripAdvisor <laughs> review? <laughs> so hold on, we've gone from Animal Crossing Elite Dangerous to Elite Dangerous Uber, is what you're saying? <laughs> well, something like that. Just uh, so so you're just going to move this from. <laughs> no, stop talking. Um, <laughs> Glad we didn't adjust the webcam there. But it is just some way that, you know, if you happen to run into trouble or, you know, get into some piracy that you would lose uh, the prestige. Maybe, you know, you can build up that prestige of customer satisfaction and you then get more exclusive clients for your journeys. Uh, so that, yeah, and then you maybe get more lucrative, longer journeys with much, much better payouts. Just a way of advancing up a rank. I mean, obviously we're going to get a... Elite uh, ranking in uh, tourism. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. the, so you can be the elite tour guide, basically. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah that'd be that'd be interesting. I think it, it's a no, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> but it, it incorporates that whole thing of if you can swing your ship around a star in a super sexy way, you're going to get five stars from your customers. Kill me now. <laughs> <laughs> 
name when you give your dog it and you've still got hole left. Yeah. <laughs> that's like a three-star hotel. Yeah, that's, well, that's a bonus. <laughs> okay, yes, I have been excited about the idea of passenger missions. I said passenger missions. I like the idea of going from point A to point B with a passenger who's maybe on the run. So you're going to build that story up. So at some point, you may get interdicted. In the same way they're doing Spudgy at the moment, you have that level of tension that's built up. You don't need a big backstory. I'm Miss Blah Blah from Blah Blah, and I need to get to Blah Blah. You know, you, the rest of the story you construct in your head. That on Frontier was always very exciting, especially when pirates jumped out and said, you know, you've got her prepared to hand her over or face the consequences. Nothing in Frontier said, fly to this star, scan this beacon, get your rating to five and go back again. I didn't want Elite Dangerous Tour Guide. I wanted Elite Passenger Missions. Well, it's got to, you know, I mean, if you think, and you've, you've kind of talked a bit about what Frontier did, um, but if you think about the incorporation of the uh, newscasting and the mission system, what worked best was when you had someone who was on the run, you put them in the cargo hold, you had to drive somewhere, and then there was news feed about people who had gone missing, having blown up something or killed something or done something. Um, and that enabled you to put the two things together and enabled you to realize that you were now implicated as the getaway driver, effectively. So the first thing is, is if you want that kind of stuff to work, what you first need is the infrastructure of being able to do passenger missions and being able to do tourist missions. So, of course, the first presentation is going to be about, ah, it's all nice and fluffy, and it's tour guide and everything else. Do we want to sit here and talk about spy missions before yes. we've even started walking? Yes. No, I think we want to start walking first, and then we, can, then we can run a little bit. Okay, so in my head, the way passenger missions should work is we need to have the capability of jettisoning our passenger cabins. <laughs> because obviously people know that I'm, you know, when it comes to Elite Dangerous, if anybody's listened to the role-playing That is that seriously going to hurt your rating. <laughs> now, if I am interdicted by a pirate and they, they give you sort of two options. So one, either hand over the passengers or be destroyed. Obviously I'd like to jettison my cargo and not be destroyed. Or if they give me the option of selling my passenger to them for a better price than what I'm obviously being given in the first who, place. Who gives you an offer of, uh, give me all your cargo and I'll pay you, or don't give me all your cargo and I'm going to shoot you and take it anyway? Yeah, but Fozzer, they were talking about, there was talk about the possibility of more accuracy in game. Now I can just see Fozzer's uh, tourist tours. <laughs> <laughs> Missed well, your third well, option as yeah. well, Foz, which is hitting him over the back of the head with a tire iron. Wrench. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. It sounds like Foz's tour company is going to be called Somalian Pirate Airlines <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> okay, so it, it's, it's... Do you want to let Andrew have his, his moment now? He's stood up for quite some time and, and you've, you've ranted for quite a bit. I have <laughs> ranted. Andrew, please, introduce yourself as Hi. Andrew and uh, tell us what you'd like to say. <laughs> Um, I was just going to go back to Chris Jarvis' point that basically what's, if, you're, if you take the analogy to um, a coral reef game where you're looking round, what's been announced is the reef. That's the feature. Mm. What we need to hear about is the fish. That's the gameplay. Um, we haven't heard anything yet, so <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. yeah I mean, we, you know, we are kind of speculating, and that's what we, we kind of try and do, <laughs> unfortunately. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. And, we, you know, at least we know it's in their mind, which is, is good. And, actually, it needed to be in their mind because it's, it's been a, a, a gaping hole for quite some time mm. of a promise because it's, it's the kind of gameplay 
that is, I, I would say, is core. Because if you don't start this, we do end up with players, essentially, who are very used to a particular type of gameplay that doesn't include this. And of course, that means that they're less likely to engage with it and more likely to become like the second technician <laughs> to my right. Well, I mean, you can see how the, you, know, you have an asset in game and out of a, a group of probably about 30, 40, 50 people in the audience, uh, only four people own an orca, or at least only four people who are yeah. prepared to admit to owning an orca. But you know, why would you own an orca at the moment? But that's the thing. They're a, dead, they're a dead asset in the game at the moment. So something needs when to happen. When we've got the passenger missions, there won't be a dead asset. Take a drink. Well, you know, I, I, I think the point that you're both kind of on either side of and, and where the middle ground of that is, is that really the orc has been in the game for a long time. It should have had a game reason for being in the time right from the start. That way, you would have had more people engaging with this kind of gameplay, and then we would not really be having much of this discussion, will we? <laughs> can, well, can I just say, before we introduce the next guy from the audience, we've actually probably spent five times longer talking about tourism than Frontier did when they were talking about <laughs> it on their panel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just going to say that Michael did say yesterday they were only talking about tourism. They weren't going to talk about the passenger missions yet. So they are clearly going to be two completely yeah. separate things. Or at least one built on the other, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, you know, and I, I think the analogy of using that as the groundwork to get it right, I think, is probably right. Yeah, yeah I'm probably taking my wins and they're too far, shall we say. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on to, um, to other things that were, that were mentioned during the, the Q&A. Um, Sandy certainly managed to create a few new catchphrases for himself. So Sandy's new catchphrases is, no timeline, no guarantee, but we like the idea. So we're going to get him a t-shirt made up for that one. So obviously you're going to have soon TM for Michael Brooks. N-T-L-N-G-L-I, yeah. So, and the other one was um, whenever he was asked a question, his stock response was, yes, that's a much requested feature. <laughs> and then move on. <laughs> Going down the panel, what other things came out from the, the Q&A that you thought were, were highlights and things that you know, shed new light on the situation? I'm afraid to say it's, oh, we'll find out everything at Gamescom. Yeah, okay, so let's put this, uh, this elephant in the room to bed. So obviously Gamescom is coming up, it's coming up at the, uh, the end of August, and we're speculating here at Labour Radio that, that obviously they've got 2.2 coming and they're pretty much wanting to keep all their cards quite close to their chests, and they're going to use Gamescom as their big launch platform for 2.2, which, you know, as a business, we can understand, although, you know, we are the premier elite dangerous in the world. In the world, absolutely. I mean, we have people from, you know, from all over the world, like Texas. Where's Eric? Yeah, yeah from uh, Texas coming to, to lay let, let, Let's not get jealous. You know, don't get jealous of Gamescom. I think, uh, you know. <laughs> Okay, so uh, anybody else in the audience got anything that we haven't picked up? Oh, hold on. Alex is running down. All that buckyball training coming in useful. Just as fast out of a ship as you are in a ship. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, uh, yeah, Alex Turner, buckyball and fuel rat, and as of last night, Michelle from... Uh, Dockers. Um, <laughs> crowning star performance there. Round of applause for Michelle. 
I just wanted to say there was one other thing about GamesCon, I think Michael said, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a question about whether we would see, somebody was complaining about all the Coriolis stations looking uh -huh. the same, and he said something like, wait till GamesCon. So yes. it sounds like maybe new station types are coming out, or... TripAdvisor panels for the tourists. <laughs> <laughs> we might get some pine trees instead of palm trees. Yeah, as, uh, as I was doing the Q&A, I didn't really want to ask the question that was on the tip of my tongue. So, um, again, going back to the, the concept arts, we were, we were promised quite a lot of diversity in the game. Uh, even things such as being able to identify what faction a planet belonged to based on the, um, the lights on the dark side of the planet. So Federation would have a certain sort of way that their cities were laid out. Imperial would also have a way that they were laid out in the Alliance. Uh, that hasn't materialized, and in terms of the station, it is pretty much the same regardless of where you go. So at the moment, uh, that's the situation, but Michael Brooks did say this was something that was going to happen at LaveCon. Another guy from the audience? Uh, well, last year they said why they didn't do that, and it was because the planets change from being Imperial to, and it just made it pointless. I said that last year. That's why they said they didn't bother in the end, is because once it changes allegiance, God, it makes it just hate when they have a logical, rational explanation oh, for something. <laughs> yeah, Damn but, it. You know, I mean, that, that, that sounds fairly good, but, but if you think about that, if, if for example, um, Scotland declared independence, um, would that mean that they would change where all the streetlights were yeah. in the road? Yeah, just to make a point. <laughs> <laughs> they'd, all, they'd all start driving on the right. Just so would, 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 would they change the layout of all the streets <laughs> and everything as well? Is that what would happen? You know, it, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm with Alan on that one, which is rare. Uh, I think you know, if you're going to build an imperial settlement, it's still going to be an imperial settlement. So the way it was originally built should be. What, uh, what you see from the, from the sky. Well, why don't they do it? Like, the longer that it's held by one faction, the lights start changing to whatever that pattern is. That way, Aknar will have Imperial. And, you know, only if it got taken over by the Federation, it would take, say, 10 years for the lights to change. Yeah. I, think, I think what you need in, um, if you want to make an area feel like it's kind of regional and it's owned by a particular group, rather than changing all the architecture, it's something that really needs to wait for when... Frontier introduced to stuff where you get out of your ship and walk around. Yeah. Because it's all about the kinds of people that make up those areas, the kinds of clothing that they wear. So if you look at somewhere like, oh, I'm going I'm to show how dreadful my history and geography knowledge is, but if you look at somewhere like, um, someone's going to correct me if I'm wrong, but like during the, during the kind of Soviet bloc era, mm. a country like uh, Turkey had obviously lots of much closer ties with the USSR than maybe it did with the rest of Europe. Is that fair? Um, probably not very good. No, am I thinking of the wrong good. country? No, yeah, you're probably good. Do um, I need to go a bit further east? Can, can, can I suggest... What? Bond. Oh, okay, let's say Bond. So let's talk about these countries that, that essentially they had, their own, they had their own original kind of cultural and architectural identity. And then during the kind of Soviet era, the people in those countries was made up of a mix of obviously natives and obviously kind of Soviet citizens. And then obviously with borders changing and the USSR shrinking and things like that, actually then the demographic of those people changes. And actually the people who felt, you know, more Russian kind of maybe moved into maybe more Russian areas and, and a lot more stuff. So groups of people migrate round as borders change, as I have no doubt we're going to see in the next couple of years. And I think that's something 
that is something that Frontier can procedurally generate in their game, rather than saying, you know, this, this station is now Imperial, let's repaint it from grey to white. It's actually about the NPCs you meet and thinking, well, actually, now, now this system's Imperial, you're meeting loads of people who are in, like, gold lame dresses, yeah. rather than if you go to the Alliance and they're all wearing pith helmets. Or even, as Ben's just mentioned, actually, even those um, shipyards that are faction leading in one direction or the other, if you're in that particular area of space, should you not see an increase in NPCs in those particular ships as opposed to Federation ships when you're in the Federation side of space? And even if you do, who cares? Does that add to gameplay at all, or is it just us being you know, sort of pernickety about details. It's just flavour, isn't it? It's just a sort of uh, yeah, a, a variance to the norm of just going from one grey big thing and bumping to the next one that's the same, and just uh, the, the station actually becoming nothing. Yeah, it does. It adds to it does add to gameplay. In answer to your question, Paul, the reason it adds to gameplay is that when you feel that there is variation, then it you, when when the walls aren't just different shades of grey, then you start to notice them less, you, or you feel that it's more real. You, you see what I mean? Mm. Um, and it's only a tiny thing, you know. And you don't want to, to, to devote huge and huge amounts of time to, to things like that, um, you know. In, in 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 sort of in dearth of doing passenger missions or spy missions or anything else. But you do need that kind of feeling that things are changing, that yeah. things are individualized, that things are different. And actually, that goes back to David Braben's original statement about procedural generation, which was, it's only samey when your library doesn't have enough content in it for it to create the variations. So, you know, this is what we're kind of getting down to, isn't it, really? Is we're talking about methods of using PG to try to create that level of variation in detail. And I mean, look at something, I mean, obviously, Foz, you know, you play a lot of GTA V, you look at something like GTA V, that is a single map, but there is a massive difference between the kinds of things you see when you're out in like the desert type areas to when you're up in the sort of equivalent of like the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. In the Hollywood Hills, you, you see shiny cars, you see NPCs in suits. When you're out in the desert, you see yeah. like crop dusters, guys with baseball caps, yeah. and those sorts of things. And, and also XCOM is a nice example. XCOM is um, always because, an excellent example because, of everything. Because, um, <laughs> you know, with the, the continual sending you all over the world to go and do your missions, but actually, when you pick it apart, you recognize that you're only going to about six different maps. You know, there are actually only six different scenario maps that are used in rotation. In the first to, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That are used in rotation to manage the, you know, the scenarios of what's there. But the illusion is presented by the narrative. The illusion is presented by you know where you're on the where you're on the the, the, the blinking um, uh, carrier to, to take you where you're going. But it's a really good example because in XCOM 2, obviously the maps are procedure now the the, the maps are procedurally generated. But actually, when that when that location is chosen in a particular part of the world, the actual layout of the map might be similar to another map, but the the design of the buildings and the cars you see will actually give you a flavour of the local. <laughs> uh, the local kind of the local geography yeah. excellent so <laughs> <laughs> taking pity on the members of the audience that are standing next to the microphone I've given them a chair 
So, introduce yourself. Who are you? What would you like Hello. to say? Um, I'm Przemek, and I just wanted to quickly mention that we may also get a revised Elite timeline soon, TM, probably. Yeah, so that was something that kept on coming up. There's a few cheeky people trying to, uh, trying to get out uh, what Drew Wagar is working on, potentially, possibly, uh, from the Frontier Development guys and got absolutely no joy. But <laughs> there was a few questions asked around the whole uh, retconning of the timeline. Now, I haven't been following this, but I'm guessing, Alan, you might have been. What have I done? <laughs> okay, so um, I didn't catch what was said in the panel, um, but yes, I'm aware of what has been changed, altered, let slip in terms of what's different, uh, mostly around the narrative relating to the Thargoids um, and the Thargoid conclusion in Frontier First Encounters. And we, we talked a bit about this this morning in Where Have All the Thargoids Gone, um, which uh, I am not going to reveal all of the privileged information that I gave to the nine occupants, or rather eight occupants and one person who turned up at the, in the last five minutes to um, immediately after I had said in the room, you are all so privileged and you have all learned all these, these amazing things and I'm going to keep it all very secret to you. And then, you know, really sorry, it was so, so poetically um, humorous. Um, but the, uh, yeah, no, essentially we have talked through the difference and um, there are some things, you know, there are some things that have been retconned and changed. They are, in summary, as I see it, an opportunity. Um, and I'm actually quite happy if anybody here who didn't follow that wants to come and grab me in the bar after, um, you know, uh, stuff has kind of, you know, sort of quietened down and wants me to talk through that as to why that's an opportunity and what the reasons uh, were that that was done. I can talk through, you know, my appreciation of why those reasons were done. doesn't mean I agree with how it was done or I agree with specifically what was done, but I can certainly give a rationale. Isn't it amazing how, much, how you can manage to say so much and say nothing at all? It's kind of my job. Yeah. <laughs> no, did, did you want to ask me something specific about it? Obviously not, no. I can, you know, I'll, I'll do my best. But, you know. So, no, it was more about the fact that, yes, in order to, to maybe sort of factor in the stuff that's coming next in terms of potentially some, some aliens, they've had to have a look at the, the history and just make sure yeah. stuff fits. Yeah, um, uh, you've, got a, you've got a plot line at the end of Frontier First Encounters, which was a buggy game, that gives a, a solution to the Thargoid problem. And the issue with that is that that was produced 19 years ago. Um, we've got massively better technology, massively better you know, um, stuff. We've got an MMO that allows lots of people to be involved and not just one person to be the hero of the story. We've also got the fact that um, first contact in terms of an alien, uh, you know, and us is a really interesting moment, whereas the aftermath of first contact is not as pivotally interesting for individuals to be part of in terms of what they're doing. So those are good reasons, I think. I don't necessarily agree, and you know, and I'm very aware of Peter sitting staring at me in the front row. I don't necessarily agree with how that's been implemented and um, the detail of, of of that. But that's not my place. You know, it wasn't my call. Um, at the same time, I can appreciate the rationale of why. Okay. Well, I'm just conscious of time. So, is there anything that we've missed in terms of anything in the audience that people think was uh, a massive highlight from the Rory, Frontier Q and A? Rory was going to have a. Oh, you well, I put the chair there. I didn't actually expect anybody to sit on it, you lazy bugger. Now get up and stand next to the microphone. Is that better? Yes, I can see you now. 
Um, I latched on to a comment that Chris made a couple of well, it was a few weeks ago now, uh -oh. um, involving <laughs> your concerns for multiplayer, the multiplayer aspect of the game, <laughs> and um, yeah. uh, and I completely agree with them because my lifestyle doesn't allow me basically to play with the people that I want to play with, and I feel maybe slightly sidelined a little bit into the game. So I asked the question about uh, NPC crew members because we're going to get multi-crew and all that kind of stuff, and. The answer was basically, there won't be AI crew members. Again, no timelines. Yeah, but there I was a yet and not soon. Yeah, was uh, a thing. It was yeah. We've got a plan for multi crew. It is going to be multi crew with your friends. And if you haven't got any friends, you're kind of out of luck for this iteration until we spend a bit more time on it. I think was the the answer yeah. they gave him. That's kind of what I. That's how I read it. Yeah, and this you know there's a, there was a few actual questions that came around a similar sort of topic in terms of lifestyle and the fact that. Elite Dangerous is a very active game if you want to take part in certain things. Uh, another person asked whether or not it would be possible to put resource collectors, so basically a throwback to the MB4 mining machine on planets. And if someone can only have you know, the weekends to, to play Elite Dangerous, they go, they put their MB4 down, they fly back to it, and they can collect some resources and carry on, um, which I thought was a, a very valid point, uh, considering how time poor certainly the, the vast majority of the demographic that play Elite Dangerous kind of are with kids and jobs and real life and everything else. And I don't think Frontier really did a great job in answering that. But I don't think, we, you know, we, there's a lot of people talking about being time poor, and I think uh, it's something... Oh, sorry, I didn't realize. Uh, sorry, there, there's, it's even, a when I'm not, even when I'm here, you yeah, still yeah. go in on top of me. I, I, didn't, I didn't see any dots. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I was going to say, it's a bit rich from Ben saying that. Yeah, quite. Um, one of, the things about, one of the things about being time poor, I mean, I wonder if people are time poor in the same way that, that I'm time poor, because people say, oh, I don't have a lot of time to sit down and play, um, play, down and play games. I mean, I probably play games every single day, but maybe for about half an hour, rather than... I mean, the, the, <laughs> the days when I could kind of sit in front of my PC for six hours at a time to play something are, are you know, very much a distant memory. And it, I know, exactly. And it comes down to, in some respects, in terms of play style... Um, of what you can get achieved in Elite Dangerous in a play session of about half an hour to an hour. Now, they've done loads of great stuff in, in Elite, which kind of mitigates some of the, the issues. So now most of the missions you pick up, you do generally have about 24 hours to complete them, which does take a lot of the pressure off. But I think the issue with a lot of multiplayer coordination stuff, again, it comes down to what you were saying about the, the convoy. If you're trying to coordinate with other people, it adds a percentage of organisation to your game, even just in terms of, you know, I, I quite often miss out on games with people, not because I'm not going to have time to play a game in a day, but I can't give you a definitive time I'm going to be able to sit down and play it. I can say I'll get onto my computer at some point and I'll do it, but I can't necessarily say, well, I'll be there at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock or whatever. So I think that's one of the things that, that, that multiplayer punishes people who are time poor because it requires you... As, as, as what we were saying, it requires you to be playing at the same time as the people that you want to play with. Um, and I think that at the moment, uh, I think Elite is quite, is quite bad for people who have quite limited play windows. I'm just wondering about bringing back into the, the mining dumping ground with this being multiplayer, obviously, should it be a thing that you see on the station, on the station on the planet, and should you be able to see it as a, as a USS or something, 
and be able to steal from somebody else's mining. Well, that's a whole new conversation about whether or not you can scan other people's MP4s and, and, uh, and profit from them, which is a really mean thing to do. Yeah, but it's, it's this whole thing, though. Yeah. Someone, someone leaves their lawnmower out overnight, expecting <laughs> it to cut the grass. <laughs> And then they get up in the morning and find some buggers cut their grass and nicked it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind if someone cut my grass and nicked the grass. <laughs> I really don't care. That'd be great. Karen will tell you just how high our grass is right now. <laughs> okay, Darren, what's your point? Just on the, um, the long-term ability to engage with different things in the game, they did specifically say that with the, um, with the colony expansion from Jack's station, they will be implementing longer-term community goals so that they can engage with the wider community much more, and they were aware of how that would impact. And they did seem quite responsive to other things people were raising about, like with the, with the tourism missions, you know, will we be able to have long-term engagement with that? So I think they, they seemed responsive to that during the Q&A. Yeah, there was also another question about for those people that were too lazy to go exploring or too lazy to make the distance, uh, are we going to have some instant jumps or someone even had the audacity to mention jump gates in Elite Dangerous. I mean, who let them in? Uh, that was pretty much poo-pooed by Frontier, wasn't it? Well, that I, can, I can tell you that, and I don't think there's a problem in revealing this at all, um, in the first draft of the history, we had jump gates. And we were very, very strongly told to remove all of that, um, you know, all of the guide material. We, because we basically, we took the dark wheel and we were looking at the faraway jump point and we were looking at historical jumping and how this worked before uh, hyperdrives on, on ships in, you know, Elite and then Frontier and Frontier first encountered. And um, so we were trying to, to incorporate it and we were told very firmly, no, no. Excellent. Okay. Well, if that's going to do it for the Q and A, unless anybody else in the audience has got anything that we've missed, I think what we'll ah. Oh. <laughs> Don't sound disappointed. Ah. The one thing I think you haven't mentioned, they did say something about a pilot's log file that oh. you will be able to download. Yes. Round of applause, please. <laughs> this is. Okay, and, and, so and this guy is now our new volunteer to write our show notes. Because <laughs> <laughs> we'd all forgotten about that, and it's a really good point. Uh, one thing to add as well is they mentioned that they've been talking to third-party developers about it, although looking at the forums this morning, a few of the third-party developer guys were posting, well, they're not talking to us. So, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> It's a mystery who they are talking to. Okay, so uh, it's been offered from the audience. Um, they are talking to some, but maybe not all, of the third-party uh, apps. So, yeah, so that's a, that's a really good point, actually. We completely utterly forgot the one thing that we've been crying out for in this game since it was pretty much launched. So Frontier Developments are putting in a pilot's journal, which is going to be a locally stored file, uh, probably capturing stuff like you know, trade routes, where you've been, free text entry. TripAdvisor rating. Will you shut up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're not implementing it just so you can have your trip advisor. <laughs> I've got an orca. I've been waiting for this for a long time. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, if they do put a, a, a free text option into that, um, I have talked to a couple of people about um, journal logging as a commander, um, and I have a couple of tips in terms of writing those um, if people are interested and want to know. Uh, a bit about. Starting <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you know, not those kind of tips. Um, 
but yeah, no, if there are a couple of uh, pointers that people want on those, I'm more than happy to. So you can either just email us at, um, at the show or um, grab me on the forums or something else, and I'll, I'll quite happily go through and mention exactly how those things work. Not that I love to add more work to Alan's already busy schedule, but if that's something that people would be interested in, would that work as a, as a blog post on laveradio.com for people to read? Well, okay, so you'd like me to write up those tips? I would, really. Okay, all right. Uh, generally speaking, the idea was that they might send me one or two samples and then I'd give them the crit. Which oh, is I, wouldn't, I really wouldn't do that. Having done that with Alan, it's soul-destroying. <laughs> <laughs> Although that could just be my writing. Well, you do know. we have, um, just out of curiosity, because I always want to compare what, what kind of can be done with a, with a new locally sourced log file compared to what's already going on. Do we have anyone in that knows the technical ins and outs of that new voice attack thing that talks to you about systems and stats when you're flying around? Is there anyone here that knows about that? Okay. A little bit. No, so the H... No. Oh, yes. What's it called? No, it's uh, the... Oh, great. It plugs into voice attack, and when you arrive in the system, it will give you all that information. Yeah, it's not a HC... It's not a voice it's not, it's pack not a voice one. It's not a HC thing. voice it's pack. It's... Can someone just shout out what it's called? That way we'll sound a little bit less silly at the front. Pilot's log, is that right? No. no. no? It's, it's more of a vocal thing. It picks up the system. It gives you warnings if you're wanted. It gives you the faction outlet um, vocally to you as you arrive in the system. It logs data. It interacts with the uh, EDDB. It does the market transfer. Yeah. But do you remember what it's called? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, though. Sounds awesome. That one, yeah. That, that one. But one of the things that starts, because obviously having watched the YouTube videos of it, it's, it's really impressive. And it does things like when you fly to a system, it'll say, you visited this system five times previously. And it's really interesting. It would be really interesting to know where it gets that information from. And that is local, is it? So is this... Is that what it's called? E E-R-E-D-E-R. Awesome. Um, so it'd be really interesting to know, kind of looking forward, what something like that could be expanded with, with an even greater kind of local log file giving even more information. Um, so that starts from the point you install it as opposed to looking back historically. Okay. We don't like to look, but we're looking forward. So that'd be one of those limitation <laughs> things that we don't know anything about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm conscious about the fact I've taken the chair away and we've got someone at the microphone standing. Carry on if you want. Um, <laughs> Last one, probably. You have to talk into the microphone, though. I know. Uh, it wasn't yesterday during the Frontier talk, but I think this morning Sandro confirmed module storage. Or did I dream did that? Did he? Are you yeah. sure this isn't had just some alcohol-induced dream you had last night before it coming might down have this morning? been a dream. But unless that other person who just okay, said yes was in the dream as let, well. Let, come on, you're a complete shower here. Right, show of hands, who thinks that's a dream? No, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who thinks that's a fact? So you, Okay, so yes. yeah. not a hallucination. That was during the questions when he was doing the challenges, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Okay, so, so give us a run through. What exactly is this going to cover and what, does, uh, what did he say he about it? He didn't go into that much detail because he was flying poorly at the time. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, he was asked a question by a member of the audience and uh, basically did say that a module storage was coming. So well, module storage, and this will obviously super. help in... Not in yeah, 2.2, 2 but, 2 but it's something. But it's, a, it it's a much requested feature. It, it was yeah. in progress, or something along the lines. Okay, so this is to. I'm gonna take it. This is what you'd use if you've been doing the engineer stuff, and you've I got a really so, good yeah, module yeah. that you don't want to. Something really nice and shiny that you want to keep. Okay, cool. Well, you know, progress. Cool. <laughs>
<laughs> okay. Um, cool. Any other questions? Anything else glaringly obvious that we seem to have missed? No, I think you can move on now. Excellent. Okay. Well, if, uh, if our man behind the green curtain is ready, I think this is probably a good point to go to I our... I don't even know if, if there is a man behind the curtain. I'll, I'll just go and kick him. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I never got around to actually asking what I was going to put up next. So uh, if we could have the Lave Revolution trailer, please. Leave Historical Archive online. The third millennium, mankind heads to the stars. Colonial expansion brought adventure, fortune and war. You have selected Lave Revolution. Yes. <laughs> to warn people of that unexpected grant in that trailer. <laughs> yeah, a bit scary, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> See, this is the, the joy of the podcast. We can edit all of this dead air out. So I should, I should probably explain then. Okay, so a um, couple of years ago, uh, those of you that came to LaveCon 2014 will know that um, some of uh, my students and uh, some of the actors that they brought in, uh, Marcus Baxter, had come in and had done the production version of uh, Lave Revolution. He'd filmed it. They literally just filmed it prior to the event and had turned up in costume just to let everyone know that it was forthcoming. Now, unfortunately, Marcus then graduated and got a job and um, left us with quite a large amount of footage, which took me the best part of a year to get from Marcus, because um, he's very uncontactable. Um, but of course, it does mean that you do have fantastic beasts and where to find them, which he did work on. Um, so, uh, and you know, they were, they were paying him a bit more than I was. So um, what's then happened is that this year I've managed to get, or last, at the end of last year I managed to get hold of the footage, and Chris Walton, stand up Chris, my amazing second year student, has <laughs> taken on the editing and the making sense of process, I think that's probably the best way to put it, isn't it? Um, the making sense of process to, uh, to get the prisoner done, okay, and it will be done. We just need to finish and finalize a few things. Grant has been helping a little bit with some of the in-game footage that we need. Um, Chris may well need more in-game footage at some point, so if anybody is interested in helping uh, and helping with some of the, 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 you know, the debug camera footage that we need for specific shots, please do talk to him this afternoon. He's more than happy to have a chat with you, I think. That's, you know. and, uh, and similarly, uh, you know, we want to get it out. It's about a 10-minute film, and we're hoping that uh, it ties into the Labour Revolution story. It's basically an account of a couple of people um, during the, uh, the revolution coming off. So, yeah, so if you're ready round the back, Simon, do you want to play it again? 
Leave historical archives online. The third millennium, mankind heads to the stars. Colonial expansion brought adventure, fortune, and war. You have selected leave revolution. Okay, so to confirm then for those of you who are um, uh, official fiction people or, or want, want sort of official confirmation of bits and pieces, um, yes, the dates in the timeline are accurate. So uh, <laughs> if there was any, any uh, worry about that, then yes, they are accurate. Great stuff, okay. Well, and when, do we have a, uh, seeing as you're both here in the room, do we have an expected ETA? For oh, the don't final? do it. Don't do it. <laughs> just don't do it. It's just so cruel. Are you, yeah, but I don't want to say that to you. You know, that's, that's, that's just, you know, you somebody else's words. you say it's going to be before or after Brexit? I'm right. Um, Chris Alan, is obviously is working on it this summer. We will, you know, it will be as, as quick said, as we can you know, do it. You like that idea, but you've not got a timeline for it yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just said it was a timeline. And it was accurate. Okay, perfect. Okay, well, let's go on to the other highlight that we've got, the other surprise reveal. Uh, at this point, we're probably going to have to say goodbye, at least to audio, on the Twitch stream. Uh, back and see. <laughs> well, bloody hell, if that wasn't just amazing. I still prefer Chris Jarvis's Guitar Hero version. Uh. <laughs> I'm actually listening to that. I'm actually so glad the camera wasn't on me because I genuinely was quite welling up listening to that. Yeah, it is I'm, I'm crying. Is, I'm crying. Here. That is that 1992. Is just... in, do you know, I know the Amiga version sounded a bit obviously basic, but in your head, that's what it sounded like. Yeah. Mm. And that is amazing to hear. Yeah, and it's nice that we played it nice and loud. I see all the guys from the land room about half a mile down the road have come to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's like, the, it's like the Pied Piper of Hammer, isn't it? You play the music and suddenly all the elite, all the elite Frontier fans just start drifting into the room. I, no. I, think, I think just to know how hard they have worked to put that together and how much they value that piece of music. Dave Lowe's done tons of stuff. He's done theme tunes for all sorts of things. But to know how much they value that piece of music mm. and to see how hard they've worked on it and to, you know, to hear that, that's incredible. That is incredible as a piece. It's just something about French horns and oh. Oh, the violins. Yeah. You, can, you can practically hear that person sweating through their bow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just takes you right down there, doesn't it? It's an absolute privilege to be part of, of, of any part of it. And um, yeah, please, if you haven't checked out that, um, their stuff, if you haven't looked at what's going on with um, you know, their, their release of it, it's literally, it's not going to be long, you know, a couple of weeks, I think, middle of this summer, and that will be out with the rest of the album, which just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So it's slightly longer than the, um, yeah. than the intro, thankfully. Yeah, it is Sorry. a bit longer. They've, they've gone for a few more uh, twirls, trifts, and, and, uh, and bridges and riffs. Uh, to you know, to take them round, but um, as, yeah, an, audio, I, as I was, an audio editor, that's no great problem. I, I was going to say, I was going to say, <laughs> the first thing we should be doing. The, 
I think the first thing we should be doing is probably um, getting Chris to be talking to Dave and saying, can I borrow it? <laughs> <laughs> I am, do you know what I'm thinking? I know people are going to say to me, don't start to work on Series 4 because you haven't even finished Series 3. Um, there is a part of me that's thinking, wouldn't it be great to finish Series 4 with that? That'd be awesome. Uh, it's up to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is that another NDA? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are, we are rapidly running out of time. I know you guys have just crawled in for the raffle. It was, it was the raffle that you've arrived for, isn't it? That's, that's why everybody's come into the room. I'm sure it is. Uh, there is still time, guys, to buy your tickets to the raffle. Well, uh, the raffle prizes are out in the back. There is some amazing stuff on offer. Again, just through the generosity of the community. Um, yeah, people have donated stuff left, right, and center. And, it is for two fantastic causes with uh, special effects and the Elos Dalos uh, EDS um, charity, both of which are very dear to our hearts. So if you haven't got raffle tickets, get off your bottoms, go back and pay a pound per ticket, all the money going to charity. Okay, well, I think we're going we're gonna to start uh, looking at uh, winding down this episode of the, the podcast. There's a couple of other things that we want to, uh, to cover off. Just some other highlights from the, the con um, that we want to talk about some of the other rooms and also just to give you a little bit of a flavor of another game uh, that's going on as well, which is obviously uh, Julian Gollop for those guys that were around last year. Julian Gollop actually came here. Uh, Julian Gollop, the guy who created XCOM, uh, the original XCOM, but also Laser Squad, all the Rebel Stars, all of those sort of things. He's got a new game coming out called Phoenix Point, which looks like it's going to be absolutely amazing. So I think, uh, Alan, you're going to talk a little bit about that, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to get Cole up as well, if Cole can get up to the microphone in just a second. So essentially what's happened is that having gone through doing uh, Labor Revolution and worked on Elite Dangerous, I then worked on Chaos Reborn with Julian Gollop. Uh, those of you that were here last year will probably remember. And now we're doing Phoenix Point. And basically, Phoenix Point Thank is you. Julian Gollop's version of looking at um, kind of... XCOM, really, isn't it? Julian's kind of back to a, a similar premise. It's not yeah. the same. It's I mean, post-apocalyptic. It isn't the same as XCOM, obviously. It's being moved forward and being taken forward. Uh, the whole aesthetic, the whole idea of going back to his roots of turn-based strategy games where you build up teams and you build up squads and the intelligence that he brings to artificial intelligence and squad-based tactics. We want to go back to that sort of 80s, 90s feel, uh, back when gaming was very much about the gameplay and then quality aesthetics were applied to it. So we've got, there is an incredible design team that are working on making sure that the words and the pictures all look amazing. Uh, but the key thing is making sure the gameplay is really tight so that when you're putting together those teams, they do look and feel yeah. really good. And I think, um, you know, to, to give you the, the sort of context, Cole Ford and I essentially are now working with Julian on the, on the content. Um, we're going back out to Bulgaria at the end of the month. Uh, we were going to stream Julian in at 1 o'clock today. He was quite willing to, to be in, but you guys were busy. You know, it was so lunchtime. It was, it was, yeah, you know, everybody had, had gone for lunch. So, you know, we kind of, uh, and we had a couple of technical issues anyway. So, but um, we do want you to, to watch out for that. Hopefully, we'll have more information on that at LaveCon 2017 and in more of the episodes. Which and really where good. can people, obviously, you can Google Phoenix Point, but what's yep. the actual website address? So, it's phoenixpoint.info yep. um, is where you can, you can look at it. There's not much there at the moment. There are a few updates and, and some of the, the design aesthetics. Um, if there are particular things, if there are any classic um, UFO players, uh, classic Laser Squad players, classic Chaos players who are <coughs> interested in particular things coming back, talk to us, right? Yep. Col and I are in that situation of going, yeah, we really want to know. 
because talk to us and then we can try and look at that. Yeah. I also want to take this opportunity to thank all of the people who helped us out with the Laser Squad playtests. Uh, the feedback we got from you lot was absolutely incredible. Uh, it's very easy for people to give us flattering information and to say it's amazing and it's exactly how we feel. The level of detail, the conversation about line of sight that never seemed to end on Saturday night, uh, about three hours of intricate discussion about the best ways to pull up line of sight was exactly it the kind of feedback. You that we knew that we could come here and get. So I want to thank the Elite community and for LaveCon for giving us the opportunity to come here and get that level of information from you. Yeah, so thank absolutely. you all. You thank are you. very welcome indeed. And you just announced live on the stream that there is actually a Laser Squad board game in production. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> something, is, something timelines? It is, it is um, going to Bulgaria at the end of the month. Yep. Julian wants to play it and then uh, we will see as quickly as we can, we can try and do something. Okay, it's, so a, no, it's a much requested feature. But with no timelines <laughs> and no guarantees. <laughs> no, there's a timeline. <laughs> a week. <laughs> a week. Brilliant. Okay, well, thanks very much indeed, Cole. Thanks, Alan, for that. No problem. Um, we're going to finish the show. Just want to go up and down. Okay. Uh, so before we go up and down the panel, in fact, Jarvis, whilst people are thinking about the question, I'm going to ask everybody because I love dropping people on the spot. So the rest of the panel, I want your highlights, your own personal highlight from LaveCon 2016 um, when I come to you. And Jarvis, I want you to tell me about the update and what's going on with Escape Velocity. Okay, uh, so a few people have been asking about Escape Velocity. Um, I like to give, I'm one of these people I like to, to be completely honest with people about what's going on and give loads of information. Um, for the last six months, I have been working on the Chaos Reborn audio drama uh, and Escape Velocity side by side. Um, and they have both slowed each other down because I've discovered that working on two projects at once is really not a good, good idea. So what I've, done, what I've done in the last few weeks is I basically put Escape Velocity on hold to finish Chaos Reborn. Um, I am really hopeful that Chaos Reborn, the edit, will be finished before I go on holiday next week. Um, and then basically once I get back, it is, it is just working on Escape Velocity. So I am my kind of personal target for myself, and this isn't... I, ca I can't promise you this is going to happen... But in terms of planning, I am looking at getting episode one of Escape Velocity out in August. Um, there's reasons for that. It's because Escape Velocity is funded by elite dangerous fans like yourself who support Escape Velocity through Patreon. Basically, every time I will be releasing an episode, I will be getting money from people to kind of pay for the production. And because a lot of my production is front-loaded, um, I am personally several hundred pounds in the red so far on the production of Escape Velocity. Um, so if you'd like to help with that, there are T-shirts and mugs available at the back of the room, uh, all of which will, a best-case scenario, will help me fund the series. Worst-case scenario will stop me having a bill for T-shirts and mugs. Um, but also, it's, uh, you know, if, if you do like the series, it is, this isn't an appeal for people who are already supporting the series to give more money. If you do like the series and you'd like to support it, go to patreon.com forward slash radio theatre workshop. Um, and, you know, I'm really looking forward to the series as much as uh, anybody else. Um, and, yeah, and if anybody, you know, I'm not, I'm not someone that really likes to kind of hide under a shell. If anybody has any questions about Escape Velocity they really want to know, just ask me. I'm not particularly precious I hate spoilers. about that. What? I hate spoilers. I know you hate spoilers. Okay. Would you like to know what no, happens No, 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 and no. <laughs> okay, perfect. Thanks, Jarvis. So, again... Yeah, if you want to support it, obviously there's a Patreon or there's T-shirts. I myself am going to buy a T-shirt as long as there's a, a triple XL going at the back. Is there a triple XL? Never mind. Okay. Uh, they're right uh, side. They're, yeah, they're they're 
there's a range of sizes. A range of sizes, okay. No guarantees, no timelines. I, I don't know what's back there. Okay, Grant, start us off. I've loads of people wearing them today, so presumably there's loads. <laughs> <laughs> Grant, start us off with your personal highlight from LaveCon 2016. Well, I, I think I'm just going to add to the people watching on the live Twitch streams uh, anger at uh, not being able to hear that wonderful bit of music, but then being forced to listen to us all talk about how amazing it was <laughs> <laughs> by saying my favourite part of the weekend was another thing that we didn't stream, <laughs> which was the uh, Frontier Deal or No Deal. Uh, sorry, I just, just uh, yeah, that wasn't a deal or no deal. It was a generic opening the it box was, game. Uh, it was a generic um, everyday Tesco's brand, no, tes uh, supermarket brand, uh, <laughs> quiz show panel game with boxes. With, with red boxes. Yes. <laughs> But yes, that was quite a highlight. It was, it was amazing to see the production crew on that whiz around and start swapping the boxes left, right, and center, wasn't it? Yeah, did you see those amazing special effects as when the prizes were called, how they just magically yeah. disappeared from the screen? It was impressive. It was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jarvis, your highlight. Um, I'm going to say probably, uh, there's one thing that's a little bit selfish because it was, it was my panel I ran, but I've run a couple of audio drama workshops for people this weekend. Um, I spent most of the last half an hour of those workshops apologising for how we were running out of time uh, demonstrating the whole process. One thing I have done, though, is I've, I've demonstrated to at least 20 people why things like Escape Velocity take so long to produce. Um, but actually, it was really great to be able to get people in and to be able to kind of show them the process and to demystify some of it. Um, but in terms of my personal thing that I've kind of really enjoyed doing, um, I really enjoyed trying out the Laser Squad board game and then, then breaking Colin with all my suggestions about, <laughs> you know what? What you really need is this. And he's like, oh. So, yeah, that was... Because, I, I, you know, everyone, everyone knows I really love board games. And the idea of playing a board game that is hot off the press and still has handwritten cards... Hasn't happened since uh, Darren Gray's last prototype. What happened to that, buddy? <laughs> finish it, finish it. But yeah, um, and I have to say, it's been really great to see um, the number of people just picking up board games from the bar and playing them. That's, that seems to have massively increased this year, and that's really nice. It's been a really good, fantastic social space. So that's been, yeah, probably my thing. Mr. Stabler? Uh, well, unfortunately, I've been busy in... Hello? Hello? Right. Oh, I've got to be really close. Uh, and f unfortunately, I, I haven't been privy to all of the talks and things going on in here, so I can't say the Q&A was my favourite or uh, the deal or no deal. I've been stuck in the LAN. So it was actually the LAN. We've had some good, great tournaments, and last night we had some uh, gang beasts, drunken gang beasts, uh, and that was the highlight for me because I, I haven't laughed so hard in a long time. There you go. Okay, Gang Beast, uh, yeah, it was another one of my highlights. You just stole that. You. Anyway, uh, Ben. I know I said it in the uh, last week's show or something like that, but I love me some Cards Against Humanity and <laughs> playing Cards Against Humanity till, well, some people were playing it till 7 in the morning. Oh, Michael Brooks, awesome. I believe. <laughs> wow, he was up. Okay, Cards Against Humanity. Remind me never to play that late at night. Okay, Alan? Uh, oh, too many things. Um, I think I'm just going to go for something general. I think that's probably easier rather than picking out highlights. The fact that I have spent most of the last year prepping different activities for this event and seeing them work, <laughs> seeing them actually 
putting the Artemis pieces and seeing it work, putting the other stuff together and seeing it happen, walking into different spaces and seeing lots of people engaged in the different activities, that's my highlight. Um, not, you know, last year was great. Last year was really, really good. But this year, for me, one of the greatest things has been walking into spaces, wandering around, seeing people doing stuff and really enjoying themselves. That's, that's my highlight. Brilliant. Okay. See, mine, uh, Colin has had to, unfortunately, he's had to leg it and catch a train, but I know Colin's had a lot of fun in the, uh, the gaming lounge. Uh, I also know that he's two stone lighter than when he started the weekend, as the gaming lounge has been a little bit hot. Apologies for those people in the gaming lounge that are doing the, uh, the miniatures and uh, the various Star Wars Armada stuff. Um, but yes, it has been a little bit toasty in the gaming lounge, so well done for persevering with that. So uh, I definitely think uh, the feedback that Colin's got for his own Elite Miniatures game has been great, and also the amount of, uh, yeah, the amount of fun he's had with Star, Star Wars, or oh, Star Wars, wasn't it? I said Star Trek, he's going to kill me. Uh, Star Wars Armada, uh, which he's been playing, um, has been, uh, has been, <laughs> has been great. Um, my, my highlight's kind of like a double-edged sword, really, so... I put a lot of effort into the captain's quiz, which was obviously Frontier Developments, Hutton, and uh, Lave Radio. And uh, my highlight from that was just seeing the look of utter perplexed. Perplexion isn't a word, is it? Um, but perplexity? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, so perplexity on, uh, on Michael Brooks's face when 90% of the themes were playing over the, uh, over the speakers. Um, and then the look of sort of little boy wonderment when he knew the answer to the song. Um, <laughs> Frontier developments were a little bit slow to get off the mark and for about half the game hadn't scored anything, which uh, was quite entertaining. Um, so that went exceptionally well. Uh, it's also the low light, though, because obviously um, on this show, it's always Alan that gets the hard time for his math skills. And I was totting up the scores at the end and turns out I couldn't do my five times table <laughs> and ended up giving Lay Radio 19 points instead of 24. So Lay Radio won that with 24 points only after the audience pointed out the fact that my math skills is worse than a five-year-old. So a highlight and a low light. Um, but never mind, there's always things like that with, uh, with LaveCon. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to wrap it up. But a massive thank you to Ed Tracker and Old One Productions for being our, our main sponsors for this game. A round of applause for those guys. And also to the Game Gab, the Game Gab, the Game Cab guys as well for bringing their amazing simulator and their retro cabinet down into the land room. We've had a lot of fun with that over the weekend. Round of applause for those, please. And finally, from the for the traders, the the wonderful um, Barney Baker with his uh, I'm going to get this wrong. Get this wrong order. Cardsandsocialgaming.com. Excellent. I've been getting that wrong all weekend. Uh, thank you very much for supplying stuff for the uh, for the games lounge. Everybody's had a lot of fun with that as well. So a massive thank you to Barney. And of course, LaveCon would not be LaveCon without the wonderful people at Frontier Developments who give up, and it's one hell of a busman's holiday for them, let's be honest, they give up their own time to come down and spend a weekend talking about the thing they spend everything doing from Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, 
and many, many weekends, but they're always here for the community. Yeah, they're absolutely a fantastic group of guys. They're so lovely people to come down and we can actually, yeah, on an informal basis, just buy them a drink and speak to them. They put such a lot of effort into coming along and supporting the stuff that the community does. So I think the only person left standing in the corner of the room is the wonderful community manager, Mr. Zach Antonacci. So on behalf of Frontier, give him a round of applause. Okay, so I am going to genuinely wrap this up now, but uh, before I do, uh, as she's now back in the room, uh, I would just like to reiterate what we said at the start of this podcast. LaveCon would not happen. You can see what a bunch of absolute monkeys we are here sat at the front <laughs> trying to do this show. You can't organize something as big and as wonderful as LaveCon if you just leave it to us guys. Trust me, we tried. It was a one-room job in, uh, in a hotel in Cheltenham, which yeah, we didn't tell you about until two weeks before the event. So uh, I'm glad to say things have progressed. And the only reason they have progressed is because the wonderful Karen at the back of the room has stepped in and took pity on all of us. So a massive thank you to Karen. She is amazing in everything she does. And I believe... I believe we also have a little bit of something for Karen. If we can go and grab it. If Lisa is around. What's wrong? What did you say? Sorry, they were applauding. Couldn't you? <laughs> do we have a little special gift for Karen? We do. We might give it to Karen later. Oh, um, oh asking what gift you're going to give, Karen. I'm yeah. asking you. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a gift from all of us for Karen, to Karen to say thank you. Um, uh, we'll do that after uh, the... No, oh, no, we'll no, no, we won't. We'll do it. Karen, now. if you wouldn't mind coming yeah. down here, hon. <laughs> Round of applause for the wonderful Karen. Uh, if you don't know, Karen, Karen loves gin. Um, so, you know, this kind of works. me to talk he's breaking the microphone so I just want to say thank you thank you to you guys for attending and being here without you being here this event would be kind of us in the room should be rubbish so <laughs> so I really appreciate it and the fact that the community supports this event in terms of helping out doing things fetching things carrying things doing a million and one other things that we as the organizers as it were just couldn't do. It's all those tiny things that you do and how willing you are. So when things don't go quite to plan, <laughs> you know, you guys are never giving us a hard time about that. If anything, you're working with us to help fix that. So we really appreciate that and how, how willing you are to do that. But I also want to say a massive thank you to all of the volunteers and crew who have spent this whole weekend making the activities work. While I can book a hotel, an organiser, you know, whatever needs doing, the actual running of the, the games and the activities and the talks and panels that you've, you've all been here for are not things that, that I'm going to do. So obviously the guys here, but in particular wonderful other people like my best friend Lisa, who I totally drag along and force her to do this. We've had Dave on the merchandise. We've had Colin Ford on the, um, on the miniatures. Um, Cole Ford as well and Lisa Shepard running sort of games and board games and role play games for people to get involved with. It's... Yeah, it's been fantastic. I probably I can't Stu Mar and Dylan over in VR. Things. Yeah, yeah, Stu was quite good too. Yeah, yeah I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, there are so many people. It is not 
just me. There are so many people who make this event work, and we really appreciate it. Um, and for me, it's not about the game, sorry. It's about you guys. It's about the community. It's about a community coming together and enjoying something together. And that's ultimately why I do this. So I really appreciate it. You guys make it worthwhile. So it's all good. Okay, well, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. That's it for another LaveCon. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can. You can email info at laveradio.com, Facebook forward slash Lave Radio at. Foz, just pause just a minute. Thank you. So on Twitch. Sorry. I've got 2% battery left. And I, okay, I, on Twitch. <laughs> on Twitch, we'd just like to say hi to Commander Be uh, Benke. We'd like to say hi to Mindwipe, who is tuning in. We'd like to say hi to Sparrow Black and to Nomad. Um, and also, we've been asked just to mention the Cecil voice pack, um, particularly in relation to irate passengers. Um, uh, Obviously, that is something to be checking out and looking at. I believe it's coming soon, isn't it? They've previewed it already, but um, I think it's going to be a very, very interesting, different voice pack for people it's, to it's use. More of a, uh, it's not so much of a, a, a cabin aid. It's definitely more of a passenger distraction. Um, if you heard the Cecil session last night, that means he will be in the cockpit next to you, drinking and having the perpetually of occasionally, you know, we're going to go home, all right, and setting a target for Hutton Orbital. So... <laughs> There's an awful lot of ambitious hilarity to be had in this pack, but at the moment we've got a, an amazing sort of a help from the HS guys who are so willing to give us a shot, even though it's such a small potential group. So we are looking for as many people to get behind this voice pack to make it profitable for the AGS guys for all their time and investment, because the stuff they bring us is amazing. And of course, it's all for the mug. <laughs> Far too many Hutton truckers of this thing. There really are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's it for another LaveCon. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at laveradio.com, Facebook forward slash laveradio, at laveradio on Twitter. Lave Radio is normally recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 and streamed out at laveradio.com live. Thanks for all those commanders here at LaveCon who have decided to join us. Until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Fly dangerous.
Ah, oh, damn it. No worries, guys. Hold the fort for two seconds. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs>